Our Father, it is good to know that in this moment, in this instant, um, heaven is opened up and your ears are open to our prayers and attentive to our concerns because you are a prayer-answering God and you care about the things that, that touch our lives. And so, our Father, I want to bring to you what you already have heard and already knew before we even came to the service tonight, but it does not change the fact that you invite us to call out and pray to you and to express them ourselves. They somehow lock themselves into our hearts in a particular way when we call out to you and pray. And so, Lord, I want to I thank you, first of all, for those who um, publicly confessed their faith in Christ Jesus this morning in baptism. And so for those four candidates, Father, how we thank you. And we pray for their lives going forward from here, knowing full well that every time we take a step of obedience uh, toward the Lord, that the enemy tries to intervene and and interfere and and get us off track and and discourage us. And so, Lord, I pray that that, uh, you will give special strength and protection to them in uh, light of, of that reality. And thank you for... Uh, the powerful testimony is not only in their lives, but to all who hear. And uh, so we praise you for that. We, we also pray, Father, and thank you for the surgery that's gone forward in Karen's mom's life. And we ask that she might um, recuperate well now and that, um, that the uh, um, procedures that have gone forth will, will be effective in her life. Lord, uh, we pray for Gary and um, the that he's going through physically, I pray, Lord, that you would uh, give skill and wisdom to the doctor who will be analyzing these things and that there will be accurate diagnosis and, and treatments. Father, we think of our kid, college kids and, and uh, coming up to the end of the year that, that they'll continue to be um, uh, faithful and committed right to the end and uh, not let up. And I pray, Father, as well, that um, you will help them to do well in their studies and in, in particular, Lord, as you bring them back this summer, that they will be able to find employment to provide for their needs for the ongoing um, work of, uh, of the coming years and, and what's required there. Father, I think of uh, the ministry that we have been having in Peru and what a blessing it is. And we, we pray for the next team that's uh, assembling and, and getting ready to go. And, and um, Lord, I pray that uh, there will be much accomplished uh, both uh, tangibly and even the intangibles, Lord, that are accomplished in people's hearts, that you will um, um, go before us and prepare that. We think of the people of Peru who are needy and, and uh, need, uh, 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 res- uh, need to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We know that there's much religion in the country and, um, but, uh, and much superstitious religion, but, Father, they need to have a real relationship with Jesus Christ, and I pray that you might enable us to continue to, to mobilize and, and uh, provide resources and, and, uh, and hope. And um, thank you for the privilege that you give us to do these things. Uh, I pray for the team that's, uh, that's preparing. Lord, I think of the, the families that are devastated by the, um, the violence of, of people, and in particular the New York shooting this past week, and, and uh, the, the numbers of lives that will be touched by, the, by grief and by, by pain will be countless. And our Father, um, we live in a wicked world. And um, we live among people who are, who are uh, under this uh, complete influence of the evil one, who is a murderer and a thief. And he um, encourages people to do his bidding and to, to bring uh, pain to people and... and um, 
Lord, I just pray that, that out of these uh, horrible situations that the glory of God might come through and that there might be stories of, of the amazing way you thwart the, the enemy's uh, desires. I pray, Father, for the, all the opportunities we have to reach um, lost people. I think of uh, Bob's prairie quest of government connections and, and reaching into the highest levels of those people who, who make decisions over our lives. I pray, Father, that many will come to know Christ and that, um, that our country will be um, led by those who understand righteousness and morality and justice and, and, um, and govern in, uh, with a shepherding heart that comes from you. And so, Lord, I pray that we might continue to have opportunities to, to make a difference in those situations. Lord, um, it's always a challenge for us as well to, um, to balance in our lives salt and light. Um, regularly, we want to be helpful and, and, and uh, have a real social conscience and a, a merciful heart. And then, Father, sometimes we give away the need to, to really speak truth into people's lives. And then other times we're just really harsh and our speech isn't seasoned with salt and we, we just tell people the way it is and, and have no concern for their hearts or, or their lives or to be compassionate. And Lord... Uh, you have demonstrated um, the, uh, the, the pattern of being both salt and light and have called us to that mission. And so, Lord, you've not asked, it to, asked us to do something that we can't do, but you've asked us to do something you will enable us to do. And I pray that we'll be conscious of that, that, that you will work in our lives a balance in that direction. And even as we spend some time tonight talking a little bit more about that, that you would um, really lead us in ways that, that help us to see where we may be deficient in one or the other and, and, uh, and, and, and you make a difference, and we make a difference in your name and people around us. Father, I think of the financial hardships and challenges that are all around us in the economy. Uh, Lord, I thank you that um, it, it does not change while, while uh, the uh, amounts of money are shifting from person to person or disappearing. It does not change one bit the amount of wealth that you possess. And so, Father, you still own the cow- cattle on a thousand hills. Nothing ever changes about that. Everything that is in the universe you own. And, uh, and uh, so therefore, Father, um, you are not deficient. You are not depleted. You are not in a recession. You are not in an economic depression. You are God. You are owner of all things. And you provide for your own. You provide for the mission and the purposes that you have. And so, Father, I pray that, that in these difficult economic times for some, that, Father, it might be what you use to uh, attract people to you, to, uh, to remind people, to, to bring to their, their attention that, that uh, material things are, um, are fleeting and can be gone in an instant. But you are forever. And you are the same today, yesterday, and forever. And so, Father, I pray that people might put their trust in you. I think of our soldiers who are serving overseas and in particular, Father, with a commitment to try and liberate people who are under harsh regimes, people under, under uh, dominated by leadership that is ungodly and unjust and um, is oppressive and is not um, in keeping with the, the, uh, the patterns of leadership that you have set forth. And so, Father, I pray that, that our armed forces might... Um, make a difference in influencing, uh, by pressure, um, righteousness, and that you might protect them as well in that endeavor and help their families in these challenges as well. 
And then, Father, I think of, of all our neighbors that are lost, but I want to pray specifically because Howie's asked for his neighbor, Matt. And I pray, Father, that you would, uh, in whatever that situation is, that you would um, intervene there. And, uh, and uh, if Matt and his family do not know you, I pray, Father, that you might be, be able to use the Howards to make a difference in their lives and point the light, shine a light on their lives in Jesus' name. And, and for all these things, I pray with great thanksgiving and ask you now to help our time together to be um, beneficial and helpful and honoring to you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Craig Blomberg, in his um, commentary on 1 Corinthians, gives this picture of the church and the world and that we live in, and uh, I think it's very effective, and I want to, to share some of his thoughts. The church has become increasingly populated by single-issue people, analogous to single-issue voters in the political arena. One person constantly clamors for apologetics to be taught as the cure for all the church's ills, Another repeatedly insists that foreign missions must overshadow every other commitment. A third is captivated by the writings of a famous Christian celebrity and promotes them as if they have never erred. A fourth harps on nothing but social activism. This list could be extended indefinitely, but it illustrates how factions and ultimately heresies begin when one aspect of God's agenda for humanity is so emphasized that other crucial balancing aspects are ignored. That so many Christians today tolerate such imbalance is an indictment of the lack of effective, comprehensive, week-in and week-out teaching ministries of our local congregations. A lack which leaves believers feeling that they need seminars and specialists to teach them what they have become convinced they could not otherwise learn on their own. And then he talks about the Two extremes of the church. The first is, is a form of evangelism and missions that believes that if only we use the right methods and arguments, people will have to respond in faith. The second is a naive individualism that claims to have hotlines to heaven apart from what has been consensus truth throughout the history of the church. And then he writes of the world, or actually quoting William Barclay's commentaries on the word, or on the world. In, in, as it relates to the spirit, um, this kind of individual lives as if there was nothing beyond the physical life and there were no needs other than material needs. Such a person thinks that nothing is more important than the satisfaction of the sex urge and thus cannot understand the meaning of chastity. One who ranks the amassing of material things as the supreme end of life cannot understand generosity. And another who has never thought beyond this world cannot understand the things of God. Surely, sexual immorality, materialism, and atheism prevail even more pervasively in our Western world today than in mid-20th century Scotland where Barclay first penned these words. With that, as an introduction, I would like to jump in tonight to the whole concept of making a difference in the issues of how we can know what we are specifically to do. And in light of the backdrop of what's going on in churches and the imbalances potentially that, that uh, we want to avoid, and, 
and uh, whether we are socially active or whether we are, we are uh, steeped in theological uh, um, uh, introspection or, or some sort of um, place in the span in between that, uh, or, or whether or not we're ignoring the realities of, of our, our culture and our world around us, it is important for us to, to, to really establish and, and, and set ourselves forth and present ourselves to God that he might find us to be missional and available to him in whatever he specifically called us to do and whatever he has purposely called us to be uh, in our lives. I, I want to open up an opportunity for you in a few moments to just maybe share something about what God is doing in your life with respect to this. And if you have nothing to share, then we'll, we'll move on. But, um, but I want to give an opportunity because I think it's so important for the church to continue to be a testifying church, to be a church that talks to itself, that we remind each other that we serve a present God who is active in our lives right now. We are not simply bringing to you uh, background information or historic reality, as much as it is that from the scriptures. But we are talking about an active, personal God who has a purpose for Calvary Baptist Church, meaning the people of Calvary Baptist Church, and, and he is actively engaged in accomplishing those purposes through our lives, individually and collectively. And he is speaking to us, and he is, he is pointing, uh, pointing us in directions and inviting us to go in those directions. Now, I don't, this is not a career ideas night. That's not what this is about. At all. But since we believe that we are mobile temples, do we believe that? Because that's what we are. Uh, the temple was uh, always uh, to, to advertise the God it claimed to contain. And, and um, once the, 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 uh, the worship place, the locus of God's activity, went off the scene and was sacked in 70 AD, and, and Christ himself came and, and, and presented himself as the locus of God's activity and then brought us into his body, and, and calls us his body, we are now the new temple, and therefore we are mobile temples. Every day, wherever you go, you are a mobile temple, advertising the God you claim to contain. Not that God can be contained in you, but he is living in you. He fills the whole universe. He is living in you, and therefore, as the new temple, you are to display who he is. So how am I to know, if I'm a mobile temple and I'm to display who God is, how am I to know what, in, in what way specifically I can do that best? Or how does God want to tell his story through you? Specifically. Uh, and I'm presuming that we are not people who uh, believe that our reason to exist is to chase the Canadian dream, whatever that is. So that at the end of our story, we can say, whoever has the most toys wins. Because that isn't the way it is in God's economy. In fact, it's just the opposite. It's probably going to be who has the less toys is likely the one who wins. But so we are, are, are to ask the question. And, and God is always at work. Uh, Jesus made that point. My father is always at work. And for your whole life. He's at work in your life. Nobody in here is to say, well, you know what, I've done my purpose, I've done my thing, and, and um, I, I'm not really uh, continuing on to, to ask those reflective questions or those soul-searching questions, like, Lord, what do you want me to do today? Or who do you want me to be in the next coming week or months? Or, or what, what is the vision you have for me in the coming years? God is at work in all of our individual lives, and we're never, ever too old 
to do an inventory of what God might be wanting to do right now. I believe, and I think you believe, that God is sovereign, he's intentional, he's purposeful. And so he is in our lives. And so um, I guess I want to, to begin uh, to, to get your thinking going, and I've got a couple of, uh, of helpers over here tonight. Um, Sam uh, Powers particularly invited me to some way keep him awake, and so I gave him a job. And uh, one of those jobs, he's going to be looking after a microphone in this section here, I believe, the right-hand section. And Josh, uh, uh, the drum, little drummer boy over there, is going to be going and taking care of, uh, of the left side over there. I'm, talk I'm talking trash to Josh just because he's such a great ball hockey player, and we're coming into, into playoffs, and I, I just wanted to do some little trash talking to Josh so, so that he's a little bit intimidated when he faces the Baker regime. But I, I know he's not intimidated, so Josh is going to help me out as well. But, but I, I want to start thinking about, I, I want you to start telling me or talking to me about what God might be doing. In what ways is, is God prompting or leading you to make a triumphal entry into the lives of others? What have you seen him doing in your life? Not, not just on the basis of this morning's sermon, but, but prior to this morning's sermon. In fact, as you were listening to the sermon, you were saying, you know what, God has been speaking to me about some things and uh, about moving in, in certain circles and certain centers and, and, and accomplishing some things. Um, in, in this whole salt-light scenario, we want to be careful of the danger of, of trying to justify in our lives that, that we are called just to please people or be liked or popular or, or to give people what they want uh, rather than what they need. And, uh, and so I want to ask the question, not only have you seen God working, but how have you seen him working? And, 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 by, and, and to start out the, the whole process, I want you to consider... Uh, as you take a quick, as we take a quick survey and sweep through the scriptures, the examples in, 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 and basically this came to me really fast. I mean, I just just thought uh, sweeping examples of God um, calling people into specific ministries, and we'll see how good you are by me just giving you a chapter content, and you tell me who the individual is in that chapter who God called. All right, so let's try and see what we can do here. In dramatic examples of the past of God calling people into ministry, into particular assignments. Genesis 12. Abram. Genesis 37. Joseph. Call of Joseph. In Exodus 3. Call of Moses. Deuteronomy 31, 14. Joshua. Very good. First uh, Samuel 16. Call of David. Isaiah 6. The call of Isaiah. Matthew 4. He's on a roll up here. Matthew 4. Huh? No. The disciples. Yeah. Uh, how about Matthew 16? Specifically verse 24. No. If anyone would come after me. A anyone. That's the call on all of us to follow Jesus. Acts chapter 9. Paul, the Apostle Paul. Well, you're, you're excellent Bible students, so very good. Um, guys, uh, maybe, maybe some of you uh, would like to at this moment share. And as a starting point, let me, let me help you. Let me move in here a little bit further to, to help you orient, uh, orientate yourselves in, in what we would like to share uh, with one another at this moment. Um, the starting point for trying to understand what God wants you to do specifically, what, the, what, he's, what he's got for you in this season of your life... Is, is there any movement in your heart that's causing you to want to do the will of God? Any special thing that's happening to you 
Um, whether it be call you to pr- calling on you to pray more often or to speak to somebody or um, maybe that you've been playing it too safe and God has been speaking to you about that. Uh, maybe God's been talking to you about um, uh, uh, doing the, the things that you've been doing that are good but you haven't been connecting divine realities to what you've been doing. Um, uh, share some recent uh, encouragement uh, from uh, God's family to you, that maybe somebody's spoken to you and pointed something out in your life that they've noticed and that, that God uh, can use. By the way, that's that's was powerfully used in my life. Uh, a few people in my home church that just 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 stepped forward and, and spoke into my into my ear. You know what? We we think that maybe God is has got His hand on you. Maybe you ought to be doing something different than selling houses. And and I mean that was powerfully used by God to to really get my attention. Uh, maybe. Um, you want to share some examples of how God has been enabling you to bear fruit that, that uh, is new to you and is exciting to you. Or uh, maybe he's been teaching you something about trusting him or the value of trusting him or seeking him. I, I don't know what it is, but I, I really hope that in a group this large, God's been speaking to somebody about what... Uh, and, and if you want to slip up your hand, our guys are, are here. They're, they're, they, they want to do something. they got a job in their mind tonight. And they'd love to hear from you. If you've got a testimony to share about, about what God is doing. Bob, are you back there with waving at us? Josh, that's your, t- it's your side there, buddy. Way back there, Mr. Hooper. Put your hand up so he can find you, sir. You see him right back there? Just share with us what, what God is doing in this season of your life and what you believe he's wanting you to do. Yep, we're on, I think. It's not on. I'll hear it. Because of my uh, cancer and uh, <clears throat> the fact that I've been do- diagnosed with a, a disease that will in, in the end take my eyesight away from me, and the fact that I was at one time acknowledged by two trophies as the best ca- vacuum cleaner salesman in Canada, and the fact that I can sing to the masses, and the fact that I uh, just feel within my very being that I must get a lot of people out to my funeral. I have found myself witnessing to three to four people every day. Just the other day at the shopping center, I got on the elevator waiting for my grandson who works at the bay, and a girl says, I guess this is taking us down. And I said, how would you like to go up? So as a result of that conversation, a half an hour, I was able to point her to Calvary and tell her that Jesus Christ was the answer to life. So I find within my very being that God has directed me to people and give me opportunities a lot of you people don't know that I'll be interviewed on CBC television from coast to coast on May the 26th. And this week or next week, I'll be in every newspaper. And uh, also, I am uh, being uh, considered as uh, possibly the singer for the new commercial for Durham Rocks. This is uh, four people they've narrowed it down to. And with people in here tonight praying for me, I would ask that you would pray for me that I might win that, not to be acknowledged as some fancy person singing a commercial for Durham Tourism, but rather as a Christian man who loves the Lord Jesus Christ and just happens to have a voice that he is willing to use to uh, draw others 
into uh, knowing Jesus Christ. So I uh, am very thankful for what is happening to me. If you want to meet people, go to a sw- swimming pool or go to a rec complex. There's lots of people there, and you can just sit down beside them, and just by showing a little love and interest, you can get talking to them. And I've had people say to me in the last three weeks, Bob, you've changed my life. I am now going to go back to church. I, I, I never thought that that was important. And so I just, uh, I'm not trying to be boastful or braggadocious. I'm just saying that people are waiting for you to open your mouth and show a little love and consideration. I was brought up in Calvary Baptist Church, and all I heard was, let your light so shine. But there's more to it than that. You've got to get out there and open your mouth. Thank you, Bob. wish I had heard about that Durham Region Jingle uh, contest. I- I might like to enter into that myself, but I guess it's too late now. This is the, um, the reality, is that people are willing and interested to, to, to hear about the things of Christ if you put yourself forward and, and willingly offer uh, to talk to people. Anybody else? What's God doing in your life? How's he been working? What's he been challenging you? How's he been calling on you to make a difference? Anybody? Sam, got two. Okay, we'll get Clarence, and then we'll come to Sharon here. I get to um, work with homeless and street kids every day at the refuge. But over the past couple weeks, maybe a couple months, God has been calling me, first of all, um, to more or less go deep with him to understand that he is a God of love. Uh, So much so that we went to a, a conference in Ottawa There was a woman who, I'm going to get to a a little story here and tell her story to prove a point. Um, In Ottawa, this woman said that uh, she was working with another friend of hers in Winnipeg and and really wanted to love some street kids to the point of change. And she took in uh, a foster kid and uh, and just heaped love upon this kid day after day after day, month after month. And and this kid was into drugs. She was a, a prostitute in Winnipeg. And six months later, you know, this girl stammers into the, uh, into uh, the, the house where they lived, high on drugs, drunk, barefooted in the middle of winter because she left her shoes and socks in some John's car. And this woman who's sitting there saying, what did I do? Like, I for six months have loved this kid, and why hasn't she changed? And her friend looked at her at that point and said, is that why you're doing this, to bring about change? You've missed the point. And suddenly it clued on me and, and, and others in the room listening to this woman that, that so often at the refuge or, or wherever we are in our lives, we love people because we want them to change. We've missed the point. God has loved us regardless if we change or not. And all of a sudden these images of all these kids that I've wanted to change at the refuge come to mind. I think, oh my, <laughs> how I've been conditional with my love. I think God has called me, us at the refuge, and I think all of us, to love unconditionally, regardless of what changes occur or not. That's his job, to change people. Our job is to love and to tell them the truth. Good, thanks, Clarence. Sharon's got something over here. Well, my story is a very humbling one because it wasn't what I want the Lord to do with me. <laughs> and um, 
I'm a women's ministry leader here, and I enjoy working with women, and I enjoy doing things like that, and, and I've always looked for opportunities to speak to other women, and the Lord keeps bringing me back to what he wants me to do. And there came an invitation to me to work at uh, Vacation Bible School, and I've been telling stories there for several years, and I like talking to the grade ones, or maybe the grade twos, or I was thinking maybe the grade threes, like they're much more challenging than the little three-year-olds that I deal with on Sunday mornings. And the invitation came to me to do stories, not to the grade ones anymore, but to the actual three-year-olds and to the four-year-olds and to the five-year-olds once again. Well, I didn't want to accept right away because I was honest with the Lord. And I said, Lord, I don't want to do that. (laughs) I've got my own ideas of what I want to do. And so I said to the um, invitation that I would pray about it. Many people pray about things and um, don't really listen for what the Lord has to say. And the Lord has often convicted of me of, of that in the past. So when I pray now and ask for his leadership, I actually listen for what he has to say. So the very first day I prayed and I wrote in my journal what I'm asking because I really want to remember so that I'm looking for what the Lord has to say. And that day in my devotions, it took me to the passage in James chapter 4. And right at the top of James chapter 4 is submit yourselves to God. And below that, it says that, um, you know, you ask and you don't receive because you're asking with the wrong motives. What are you asking for? Are you asking for what I want you to do? Or are you asking for what you want to do? And God opposes the proud. Uh, but he gives grace to the humble. So I'm here to humbly say that the Lord is going to hopefully take my talents and my enthusiasm, and I'm going to speak to three-year-olds and four-year-olds and five-year-olds over VBS because it also goes on in that chapter to say anyone who knows the good that they should do and do not do it, uh, that they have sinned. So I humbly submit myself to what God tells me to do, and I just want to be an encouragement to those of you who actually pray and ask. God does answer if you're willing to listen, even if it's not the answer that you expected. stuff for all of us. Anybody else, quickly? Back there. Where's Josh? Josh, you still around there? Okay, we're just set. There you go. Hi. My name is Bob Beckel. Um, a friend of mine, Rick Summers, who's, de- who's developing the uh, Oshawa Janasha, downtown Oshawa, we decided a few months back to get involved with the Toastmasters. We felt that it'd be a great opportunity be- to become better speakers in front of uh, people and to be able to share our faith more directly and uh, more concisely to people. And when we got there, we were just enveloped with their love towards us. We couldn't believe it. And uh, the second week I was there, they, they have this thing where they give you two, one minute where they just give you a topic and then you have to speak right on the spur of the moment about that topic. And the lady said, now, who would like to speak on grace? And she looked around the room and then she pointed me. And I couldn't believe it. I out of anyone there, she pointed to me, and my heart started just, I thought, God, what an open door. So I spoke on grace, the grace of God, for one minute. So these people had their attention. This other lady in, in the corner came up afterwards. She said, you know, Bob, when you were pointed out to speak on grace, I was hoping they'd point to you because she said, when you have an, a creative side to you, and it just doesn't come out in your music, but it comes through your whole way of being, and I wanted to hear how you would speak on grace. Another opportunity opened up about a week ago in a, a restaurant. And I don't know how we got talking about it, but it, it turned to music. And whether she mentioned Berkeley College of Music or I mentioned that, I'm not sure which which, but she mentioned that her mother's boyfriend is a professor at Berkeley College of Music. He teaches on lyric writing down there. And I went to Berkeley College of Music in Boston, oh, years ago. So uh, we got talking about that, and she said, 
he writes, a, he, he teaches a course on lyrics. And I said, you know, what's his name? And she said, his name's Pat Patterson. I said, you know, I might have a book from the Oshawa Library with his name on it, on lyric writing. And so I had her write it down, and sure enough, I went home. Guess what? Pat Patterson. The book is on lyric writing by Pat Patterson. He is the, the, he's the course leader at, at Berklee College of Music in Boston, where I went 15, 20, like many years ago. And so I'm going to go back there with this book, and that will open up another cop conversation, and I'll be able to steer that conversation to the Lord. But it's just a beautiful conversation talk underway there. I'm telling you, God opens doors. You just can't believe. You just It boggles your mind that I was there at that time. The conversation, could have we could have talked about anything. We talked about music. Then Berkeley, then her boyfriend, her mother's boyfriend is a teacher. I actually had the book out of any time. It's that three-week period out of any time in my life. I have that book right now. He wrote that actual book. I mean, the consequences, they're not consequences. God has opened the door here for sure. And I'm, I'm going to go back and talk to God with her about this. Good. It's, it's beautiful. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, Bob. That's great. Anybody else? Sam. Are we on here? Hi, my name's Ryan uh, Putnam. And actually, I just wanted to uh, share a story about how I think what how God is affecting everyone in here, what that can mean sometimes to the people that the individuals in this congregation. Um, back in November, we had a scare where we almost lost our little one, and there's a whole story to go along with that. But uh, long story short is, is she was a severe immediate onset of diabetes type 1, flown to Kingston, flown back to sick kids. We were on the road for a couple weeks. When we got back, we came back to find that the home builders had uh, stepped up to say, I bet you guys could use some meals uh, for a little while just to get settled. We had, you know, a couple of young boys that had been with my mom, and Stacy hadn't slept much, and I'll tell you, I hadn't eaten as well as I did that month, and uh, I just wanted to say, you know, that type of, I, I don't know, whatever God brings out, and just a simple thing of preparing a meal for another family at a time when they really need it, and and reminding them that, uh, that they're loved and, and that there's people around them. So I would encourage any and all of us to just do the simple things, not necessarily the big things, but the small things. And our thanks to all of you that, uh, that did that for us at that time. That's great. Anybody else? Many, many years ago, when I was uh, in my 20s, I had the privilege of uh, living in the family of uh, Ian Thomas and his wife, Joan. Um, and Major Thomas, uh, Pastor Rick has quoted his books a number of times. He's a, he was a wonderful man of God. He died a couple of years ago at the age of 92. And his wife just sent me a DVD of his memorial service. And the stories of God's faithfulness are absolutely mind-boggling. When somebody who isn't anything particularly great gives their lives to God, what he can do with it. And I could keep you here all evening with the stories that uh, happened in Major's life. He became a, a he was an army major. He was uh, commissioned, um, oh, he was given his majorship. I don't know how you do it because I'm not with army stuff. 
But anyway, because he and another man single-handedly took Monte Cassino during the war, 21 German prisoners couldn't believe it when they saw two men that they thought was a, a huge army come to get them, and they had surrendered to them. And they surrendered with this old dirty tablecloth, which is now in uh, the Tower of London in the Royal Fusiliers Chapel. But uh, Major Thomas had such a heart for the German people after the war was over that he was one of the very first people to embrace them again. And he wanted to get the German young people and the English young people back together again. And so while he was away, he sent his wife to buy a castle an old run-down castle with every penny that they had, and they did. And then they invited groups of young people to come from Germany to meet with groups of English kids. Well, from that, there's now 25 centers all around the world teaching Bible schools. And Major Thomas, when he was dying last in, in 2007... He was flown to the hospital in Colorado where he was living with his son and daughter-in-law. And he's lying there on the bed, um, just about to depart this life. And the nurse that's looking after him, his uh, wife Joan, got talking to this nurse. And the nurse said, uh, oh, you're from England. And she said, yeah, we're from England. And she said, my, my son is going over there to Bible school. And Joan says, what Bible school? And he said, Cape and Ray. She said, that's our Bible school that we started. And I thought, how amazing of God to put somebody right there that was going to be benefiting from this man's life right at his deathbed. God has a way of just sewing everything up tight. And uh, when you see that happen in a long lifespan, it gives you great uh, confidence that God is taking care of you too. Wayne is going to have to speak I know, now, but like, to complete this. We... See, when he got past the microphone, I thought he was thinking the same thing I was, and he totally wasn't. So. Okay. Um, I just wanted to quickly say that recently uh, we were asked to be godparents for my neighbor's child who are Catholic but aren't Catholic because they never attend a church service. So uh, they have three children. They actually tried to get us to be godparents for their second child, but we were rejected because we were not Catholic. Even though, like I said, they don't practice any kind of God worship whatsoever. Finally, they were able to squeeze one non-Catholic in, and they happened to squeeze me in. So it's funny that even though Ryan attends twice every week, and he's the superintendent of the Catholic school board, he was still not considered to be able to qualify. That really bothered us. However, this may be an opportunity that I have not been pushing as hard. For my neighbors in particular, the, the, the wife has expressed an interest to go to church. And we're not a Catholic church, but she's still expressed interest to come to any kind of church. So maybe it's a, an opportunity for me to be a little bit more pushy than I was actually comfortable being because I'm not really comfortable trying to get people to come yet. So that would be a hard thing for me to do, and maybe this has been the opportunity that I've been waiting for. So... Thanks, Stacey. That's good. Wayne, did you have anything to share? Or? Just bad Newfie jokes. That's all he's got. <laughs> okay. 
All right, then we won't give him the microphone. Well, let me, let me wrap this up with, um, with two concluding thoughts uh, from, from God's word. And Bev, I need you to work with me here on uh, doing some skipping. In, in John chapter 15, 4 and 5, and it'll come up on the screen, it says there, and this is the, this is the way we, we will engage in whatever God calls us to. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. And, and he, he says, apart from me, he doesn't say you can't do very much, does he? Apart from me, you can do nothing. And so as, you, as you're opening up your heart to what God has for you in this season of your life and where he's going to lead you and, and, and keep this in mind that you remain in Christ and you will bear much fruit. And without him you can do nothing. This is about Jesus working in you and through you to make a difference in people's lives. And, and I want to close up by going back to our chart of all the people you knew who they were. And I want to point out to you that there may be people in your life or, or even in your, your own mind you'll be saying to yourself, you know, what I think God is calling me to just seems a little bit bizarre. It seems a little bit hard. It seems very unusual. And there may be people in your lives who will say this idea is not normal. It's not safe. It's not the way people regularly do things. So let's go back to our chart. And let's go back through the, that list of people. And you decide with me if you think that their lives were normal or the way people normally do things. The call of Abram. I want you to go where I'm going to tell you to go, but I'm not going to tell you where it is. Right? The call of Joseph. I'm going to put you in a pit before I put you in the palace. That's not the normal way things work. The call of Moses. It was a voice from a burning bush. That's not normal. That's not the way things normally happen. The call of Joshua. Joshua was commissioned to lead a rebellious people. You can look it up. In 1 Samuel, the call of David. He was the least of his brothers. It's not the way it normally is. The call of Isaiah. Isaiah was told, go and preach. But by the way, nobody's going to listen to anything you have to say. Nobody's going to change. Clarence, he had to preach just because he was obeying God. Nothing was going to change. And then we've got the call of the disciples. Leave what you know for a not normal adventure, wasn't it? The call of anyone. Take up the implement of your own destruction. That's not normal. That's unusual. And Paul? Now you get to suffer. That was the call in his life. So, can I just encourage you tonight that as you consider your salt-light responsibility and what God is, is going to build into your life and where God is steering you and directing you, you can do everything through Christ who strengthens you. You can do nothing without Christ. And by the way, don't let the naysayers, don't let the... If God is speaking to your life, and it may be unusual, it may not be the way things are normally done, it may not be regular, my ways are not your ways. My ways are above your ways, God says. I, I, I'll give you this final statement. It's foolish to attempt to do God's work using your own common sense. God trades your common sense for his wisdom to accomplish his purposes. I trust that you will uh, passionately engage in the, uh, the reflection 
and searching and invitation to God to be open and available to him and, and to invite him to, to direct you into what he wants you to do in this coming season of your life to his honor and his glory as you are live big people uh, with a live big commitment to God. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for the, the sharing of one another, of, of you, uh, the, per, the personal and present God that you are at work in our lives. And I know you're at work in many other people's lives who, who uh, did not necessarily feel at liberty to share tonight what's going on. But Lord, I pray that um, we will not be people who put obstacles or barriers up in your way, but that we be people who abide in you, who remain in you, who, who, have, uh, who, who gain our strength from you and our direction from you and say yes to you when you... Um, direct us and call us into um, the specific assignments you have for us because you know the plans that you have for us, plans to prosper us and not to harm us. But these are significant plans that you expect us to obey. When you call us, you expect us to respond. And in that very context in Jeremiah, those who did not listen to your voice, did not respond to your call, were rejected by Lord, I, I, want to, I want our people, I want my, my own life to be characterized as one who steps forth and um, responds to that small, still, that still small voice that is from the Lord, from the Spirit of God, the shepherd whose sheep know his voice, who are engaged fully in the scriptures to know that we hear your voice out of the scriptures. And to um, say, yes, Lord, um, here am I. Send me. Pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake.